Let's go to turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 2. If you have your phone, you could probably do that also, <laughs> or a tablet, or whatever you have. What I'm going to do is, I've said last week, I'm going to go through this. The, we're going through the seven congregations of Revelation. Now, also, Tiffany, if you don't mind, we won't erase this unless a kid does it. But hopefully they won't. I know how that goes. But what I want you to do is, is, is as we go through these congregations, it's important that we see the good things that they were told uh, that they were doing. But also, we need to find out what they were not doing well, the bad things. And so, I believe this. I believe that the whole seven congregations of the book of Revelation speaks to the congregation of Yeshua as a whole. Through each dispensation or generation, however you want to say it. Uh, we all have, the, let's just say like for an example, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The tree of knowledge of good and evil just didn't happen one time and that was in the beginning. It, we all have the opportunity not to eat of that tree, okay? And, and like we said, we understand what evil is, but a lot of times the good is not Yahweh either, and we're not to do what the world says is good. And so we've taught about that. I just want to go, I have gone through this, and then I added something this morning, so I hope that I can stay on track and I'm just going to take my time and just do this portion. It's not like I can't do part 1 through 22. So anyway, because this is, this is very important. Because guys, this, we have to internalize this. And we have to understand, like last week, when we talked about uh, in chapter 1 in the book of Revelation. And for those who haven't seen that or whatever, we'll have it on podcast. You need to get that. Because all of these are stair-stepping to the next one. I just, I mean, it is so many things is happening in this world today, and things are really happening very fast, and we need to understand where we are, and this is, this is a, a ruler or a guide to let us know where we stand amongst these seven congregations. Where do we measure up? Because whenever you look at this list, just real quick, we're going to read the scripture in a minute, the good things that they were doing were they were commended for their deeds, which is their living faith, okay? And this is why I want you guys, if you write this down or take a picture of it, you need to know this. This is why I say it's impossible to please Yahweh without what? Faith. But faith is not, it's not just sedimentary. Faith is action. When you, when you say that, that I believe something, I want to see it. I don't want you just to tell it to me. Telling it to me doesn't do anything. Faith is living. So when it talks about their deeds, living faith, diligence, it's going to talk about the word toil, their standards, they were against evil, their discernment. They tested these apostles that came in there claiming to be apostles, and they were not. Perseverance, in other words, they kept going through even though they had a lot of persecution, they kept going. Endurance, they were in it for the long haul. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, strength, 
they did not grow weary in doing good. And we're going to call, we're going to touch all of these. And guys, this is the Torah manifested. The very thing that the Torah asked us to do is all of these, and they were doing all of these well. They were running the race really well. If you just would have took this out when he says they left their first love. And this is where I want to start with this one today is works and deeds have to flow from genuine love, not out of duty. Because all of this was happening. I just want you to get this now. If you would have just sat back and looked at them and observed them for what they were doing, you would have said this church is on fire. This congregation has got it together. This congregation is, is moving and the very spirit of Elohim is moving in their midst. But he turns around and tells them something. And we're going to look at the scripture where he talks about, But this I have against you. Love is an unconditional, I mean it's not a feeling, it's a choice. Yahweh loves us. He tells us that he commands us to have joy. Remember what we talk about here. There's a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is decided <laughs> on happenings. You can be happy or not happy. has nothing to do with joy. Joy comes from the Father. That even though that whenever we go through the darkest hours, and we talked about this last week, you can go through the darkest hours in life and you can still have the joy of Yahweh in your life. And you can have peace and shalom in your life when things don't look good and, you're, and your stomach needs a lot of Pepto-Bismol and all of these things to get you through when you're going through something. But still, Yahweh can give you love, joy, and peace. And this is why the fruit of the Spirit is so, so super important. But here was something that they were lacking here. It didn't mean that they didn't start out here. They didn't start a good, but... You know what we can do? We can get to doing these things so well, we forget this. But this has to be first. We have to do this out of genuine love and not duty. And this is why he, he addressed this with them. And this is what we're to do is to take inventory of ourselves, not inventory of our neighbor. Okay, this is not a message to where we take inventory of one another. But mainly this is to take inventory of ourselves. You don't stop doing these because this is not happening. You just repent and get this going. And then this is now is full of meaning in his eyes. So, verse 1. To the angel of the congregation of Ephesus write, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, which these are the angels, if you remember last week, the seven stars of the angels, and then it says, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. And we said last week that the, soul, the seven golden lampstands are the congregations. So you have to get this in your mind. I'm going to try to paint this picture again for us. You have to know, what day of the week is this day? What number? Seven. Why is that important? Because it's the Sabbath. He established it from the beginning. Six days you worked. On the seventh day he rested. And he set it apart. The word kadosh. 
for us, means we say the word what? Holy. But kadosh is really more powerful than holy. It's set apart. In other words, when you accepted Yeshua as your Savior, you were now what? Set apart. You become kadosh. You become holy. Because of your own righteousness? Absolutely not. Because if you could have done it on your own, he wouldn't have had to die on a cross. He wouldn't have to shed his blood. So we, I'm just trying to paint this picture here. You and I and all of those who accept Yeshua and we walk according to his ways, we are set apart people. But this is the reason why I asked you what day it was, seventh day, when he says that this day he set apart and he said in Leviticus 23 that we are to have a holy convocation, we're on his timetable we're not trying to get him on our timetable. This is really important. Because all I'm saying is, is you can go through this and life looks good. But what does John 15 say? If you love me, you keep my commandments. So this issue is about love. Because without this, you can go through life. You can, you can, make, you can make Wednesday your Sabbath if you want to. Let's just pick Wednesday. You can make it there, and you can go on that day, and you can do all of this you want to. But what are you doing? You're violating what he said to do. Because he says, if you love me, you're going to do it my way. If you love me, you're going to follow my commandments, and you're going to do what I say to do. We don't have the authority to change times in law. We can't change times and seasons. We can't replace what he has set in motion from the very beginning. Remember we, we talked about yesterday, last week, I'm sorry, and, and it says, for the one who was, who is, and who is to come. This talks about the Father because he says, and to the Spirit who has the seven spirits, the Holy Spirit, and to Yeshua the Messiah who is the faithful witness, to witness of the one who was and is and is to come. And it was an exactly uh, the equivalent back to in Exodus when Moses said, who said, who am I to tell the people? He sent me. I am that I am. yod heh vav heh You see how that works. So my thing and my question here is right off the bat. Yeshua is walking among this congregation. Yeshua is walking among all the congregations. Just because you don't see him or you don't feel him does not mean that he's not here. And he is tending to this light in this place. And hopefully and prayerfully what he's doing is, is he is, he is saying and, and looking at us, not only from the church of Ephesus, but all of the congregations as we go through them, and judging, do we have living faith? He said the church of Ephesus had living faith. But yet, here again, he had something against them. And I really want to drive this home for this part, Words, works and deeds have to flow from genuine love and not duty. Because, guys, what we can do is, is we, can, we can lock into that and we can, we can make this a checklist and think that we're doing him a favor. We're not doing him a favor. That's not what this is about. He wants a relationship, and it's about relationship. So I just wanted to rebring that back out. He walks among us. All right, then verse 2. He says, I know. All right? This is Yeshua. Because remember, uh, Revelation 1-1 said, this is the revelation of 
Yeshua the Messiah, that was given to him by the Father, okay? So this is Yeshua speaking. And when Yeshua says, I know, he's not saying that I read about you people. I saw you people in a magazine in, in Christian Today. I didn't see this in, in Hebrew Roots Today magazine. I didn't see. He didn't read it. He, I know. He knows. He never slumbers or sleeps. He is at the right hand of the Father interceding for me and you. Because while we're sleeping on the other side of the earth, there's somebody fully awake. And while we have insomnia, he's still awake with us. Amen. This is, I'm trying to give you this picture here that a lot of times we get in a life to where we block things out. We're, we, we act like he's not here and we, he doesn't see. That's why I named this when he says, I know you and see you. Because I want us to understand he knows and he sees every moment. Even when we go through a dark time in our life, when something happens to us in our life, whether it's health or whatever it may be, and sometimes if you're in a COVID unit like Mao is, he's still there. That's why we talked about last week. There's nowhere you can go that you can hide from him. There's nowhere. It says if you're in the heavens, I'm there. If you're in Sheol, I'm there. Wherever you are, I'm there. You have to grab that and internalize that, that he, he knows and sees us no matter So then he says this, he says, I know your works, I know your living faith, I know your toils, I know your diligence, I know your patience, or your patient endurance, and how you could not bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostle and are not, and found them to be false. You know, in Ephesus, I'm going to get to this probably later, but I just wanted to bring this out. Ephesus is a very large city of that day. Oh, yeah, do we have a map? Do I have a map? Boom, look at there, technology. Okay, this is the Mediterranean. You see where Jerusalem is, the Isle of Patmos. You can see that one, the little dot out there in the water. This is where John was writing this from. And you can see the seven congregations we talked about this last week. All of these people in these congregations, they knew who John was. John was not somebody foreign to them. Matter of fact, John, and we're talking about Ephesus today, Timothy, and also John pastored congregations in Ephesus. All right, if you see Ephesus and you see Smyrna, you'll see that they're right, they're, these are port cities. They're right on so this is where a lot of the commerce would happen in that day. So Ephesus, and I believe this is why he started out with Ephesus, because Ephesus was, it was the city. Now Pergamon started out being the happening place, but Ephesus overtook it. There's 200, it was believed in that day in the first century, 250,000 people lived in Ephesus. That's a lot of people. Now, I know we have cities today like New York where there's 8 million, okay? But we're talking about in that day, for 250,000 people to be hunched up in a place to where, look, guys, they didn't have uh, heavy equipment. I mean, they, they, were, they were building these cities with their hands and with hand tools. 
You know what I'm saying? It's amazing. But also in Ephesus, we're going to talk about this later. Have y'all ever heard the seven wonders of the world? Are there seven wonders of the world? And one of them happened to be in Ephesus. Do y'all remember what that might be? The temple, Diana, the temple of Artemis, or the temple of Diana? I'll explain that. The temple Artemis, Artemis is a Greek name. Diana is a Roman name. It's the same goddess. And there was a temple there, and people traveled all over the world to pay tribute to that goddess because she was the goddess of the hunt, but also she was a goddess of fertility. And a lot of people came in. Now, I want you to look here, and if you'll see Ephesus, if you will go straight to your left, there is where it says Greece. Right below that, there is another city, Corinth. Paul had two letters that were written to Corinth. I couldn't find a map that would really that big because I wanted Jerusalem because I wanted you to see where Jerusalem is. But look at all the happenings when you're reading the New Testament. Look where a lot of the happenings were. It was up there in Asia Minor, in Galatia. See where it says Galatia? You don't have a dot there because Galatia is not a city. It's a province. All of these cities are in what? Galatia. So when you see when it says into the congregation of Galatia write, he's writing that to all of these, and they would send these letters to Laodicea, Philadelphia, and, and so forth. And the Antioch. Antioch's not up there, but it's there. All, well, Antioch's over here. There it is. And so you would see that in this area. But I wanted you to see here. Corinth, but also in Corinth you don't see that, but right across from there is a place called Athens. And this is where they would have a lot of the games. And this is where you would get um, the games that happened back during the time of Alexander the Great, because we're going to be celebrating Hanukkah in just a little while, and this is what happened is, is the Greece, the Grecian Empire came through and they Hellenized this region and this is why when you read, if you don't really understand your history, a lot of times when you read the book of Acts, which we're going to go into Acts 19 next week, but if you don't see your history of it, you don't really, you can't connect the dots to, to think, because we don't live here. We don't see that really a lot of these seven congregations, they're all really close together. They're not that many miles apart. And even to see where uh, John was put as a prisoner out there on that, on that uh, island, which really and truly is a pretty little island. It's around, it's, it is beautiful, because I've watched some of the commentary and some of the filming of it. But yet he was placed there, and usually, and here's the thing. I don't, me personally, I don't think prison's a good thing. I don't desire to go there, you know, just to let you know. But... A lot of times, people like John and Paul, they did some of their best writings where sometimes the Father's got to pull you aside to get to where He can get you to where you can write and you can do some of your best works, to where He can speak to you because if you're in prison, you just don't have a whole lot to do. Amen? You just don't. And you do have people coming in and out ministering to your needs, and this is what happened to John during that time. Now, what happened is, is this is what we talked about last week, and I'm just building this up, just as this, another foundation to this. 
is whenever John, because around 95, 96 is whenever he penned the book of Revelation, but right after that, he was released and he went straight back to Ephesus. And this is believed to where he was at whenever he ended up being martyred was in Ephesus. So Ephesus is a huge, important place to start out with these seven congregations. Because now, guys, how many times have I said this in here? Follow the money. If you follow the money, it's important because money is power. Money is power, and it brings a lot to people, one world government. All of these people that's trying to do Washington, trying to, what do they do? Follow the money. What do they try to do? They try to put down a mandate, and I'm just going to throw this out there since we're in this time and season. If the mandate, what is a mandate? A mandate is something, you, you will do this. <laughs> you know what I mean? You will do this. Well, how do you make somebody do this? Money. You say, you know what? We fund, federal government, we fund this corporation that you work for. So you don't do these, we take away the money, then you lose your corporation. Follow the money. Same thing here with Ephesus. It's really simple because the mark of the beast is about following the money. The mark of the beast is about them stopping you from buying and selling. And they're going to say, you will do these. You will take this mark because that's the only way you're going to get toilet paper. And you're going to get paper towels. And you're going to get beanie weenies with no pork. And some of you Jews, you're going to have pork. I'm going to make you eat beanie weenies with pork. Okay? That's sort of like, what, isn't that what happened in Hanukkah? That happened also in the third century. You will do this. You will not follow the Torah. You will not worship on these times and seasons. You will change your days and your times in law, and you will change your diet, and you will like it. If you don't, we'll put you up on a stake, put tar all over you, and light you, and you can light the city while we walk down the street at night. That was, look, I'm talking ruthless people. We're talking about people, the persecution in them days. You know, crucifixion is painful. Crucifixion is they've got it to where it cuts where you can't breathe. And you're having to pull yourself up to take a breath. It is You don't just die. You just don't die. You suffocate for hours and hours because in one moment you want to die and then you can't. Because your body just wants you to breathe. So you just one more time pull up. We're talking about people. It's hard for us. We're, we don't live in a society like that. It's hard for us to understand. But guys, I'm just telling you. Pack up and go to Afghanistan and meet the Taliban. And then and go over there and bring the book of Yeshua to them. You'll find out what torture is. You know, I'm just saying, we, we don't understand a lot of times where we live. We have a hard time when I go into the store and the honey buns are gone. Do y'all not have any? Are y'all not putting the shelves out? What's going on? Chaos. Chaos. Just torture. Uh, persecution. Persecution. Perse how, how do you not have... There's an empty box here. And then, if you're at Walmart, 
you look up on the top shelf and they say, do not climb and get items off the top shelf. And there's an unopened box up there. What's the pastor going to do? He's going to climb up those shelves and flip that little box down and catch it because I'm talented. Okay? I'm just saying, is that... Put it in perspective, what we want and what real torture and what people go through of trying to live for, for Yahweh in the faith. is a huge difference. So, follow the money. This is what's going to happen on the end. All of this stuff, I'm telling you, the border situation, what's happening with mandates, all of that stuff, guys, is by design. It is on purpose. Anybody know what the word grooming means? That's what they're doing. They're grooming. They didn't start grooming this year. They've been grooming since the 20s. Since 1920. How many, been, how many was here in 1920? Nobody? I'm, I'm, am I the only one? No. <laughs> I was in 1959. But I'm just saying, they've been, look, they've been grooming for a long time. It's, it, it's, just, it's just, things like that don't happen overnight. But there's grooming that happens over a long period of time. Look, the people in America, I'm just cutting it like it is. America was born out of rebellion. I'm just going to say that. I don't mean it to be born out of, I mean, we came over and we had godliness and all that. I have to clarify that because I saw my wife's eyes. So anyway, so I just, well, I'm just, no. I'm just saying this. What I'm saying is, is well, protesting, protesting and not wanting to pay the king of England and all that is not rebellion. It's protesting. Okay. Righteous protesting. Okay, righteous protesting. So we had righteous rebellious. Okay, I'm good with that. I'll just, I'll try to make it sugary. I'll put some icing on the. Yeah, we're rebelling against that, which was really evil. Even though they had the authority, but yeah, there you go. I don't know how to say, all I'm saying is, is this. This is, all I'm saying is, is you had the king of England, but guess what? He owned everything. But we didn't want to do what he says to do, so we said, no, we don't have taxation without representation. So we come up with all this stuff. Well, anyway, we, we fight against them. We pray and all this. Look, I do know that a lot of people left England because of righteous persecution. I'm not saying that. They came here. But what I'm saying is, is this, is there's something within us that whenever somebody tries to take our freedom, we get a little upset. We, don't just, we just don't lay down and just take it. And, well, we shouldn't. You're right. We shouldn't. But you know what? We shouldn't years and years and years and years and years ago. Whenever they took prayer out of school. And whenever they did all of these things. And whenever abortion and all of these things happened. And all of a sudden, why? where were we at then? Where were we at all of these years in the 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s? And now all of a sudden, because the pressure is on us in a heavy way now because we see now all of a sudden we get upset. Well, you know what? There's a lot of layers to undo because a lot of things, but that's the way it works. Did you have something? Yeah. It's in our DNA. It's in our DNA to stand up for what is right. And that is a good thing, and, and that's what I, I want to say and clarify and make sure. 
it is always a good thing to stand up for what is right, okay, and what is righteous and do, because we're not going to. The reason why I'm bringing this out in these congregations, the reason why I'm bringing it out, first, of, first and foremost, we have to have love in our life. You have to have enough love in your life that you may have to lay down your life for a friend. You may have to do that in these end times. You don't know. I don't know what's coming. I mean, let me back up. I know what's coming. I don't know how it's going to affect every individual one in, in the setting. But all I'm saying is, is you better have your mind made up before that time comes. If your mind's not made up to do what's right and make righteous judgments during the time of Hanukkah, like what happened, and this is why we retell the story. We're not trying to glorify something. We're just telling you that this really happened to these people. And these people were told by Antiochus Epiphanes, you will not do these things. And you will worship Zeus. You will worship the, that he put in the temple. What happened is, is what, when Alexander came through, all of these things slowly happened. And it slowly changed their culture. And their culture changed. And this is okay. And this is okay. And this is okay. Until finally you get to the place to where now all the things you believe, you can't do any of these anymore because they're offensive to everybody else. Let's talk about whenever this country was founded in the 1700s. You know, other than the Native American Indians who were here, I don't know of any other group of people that were here that worshipped other gods. Just throwing it out there. What I'm saying is, is when we came over here, when it says we're one nation under God, indivincible, it didn't mean what they say today. They knew that one nation under God meant one nation under Yahweh Elohim and His Son is Yeshua the Messiah, as they said, Jesus Christ. That, you see what I'm saying? That's what it was meant. It wasn't meant many different gods. But today, we look like that. Do we, this is where I'm heading. This is why you got to grasp this, guys. We don't live in 1776 today. We're far removed. You see where Jerusalem is? And you see where they are? That's about the way we are from 1776 to where what's happening. So what I'm telling you is, is today, exactly what was happening for these seven congregations and what they were going through is exactly the politics, exactly the religion, and exactly the money system that was happening today, it was happening back then. We're smack dab in the middle of it. And this is why we better catch what was going on here. Because what happened to them will happen to you and me. And this is why it's so important that we get a grip where we're at. Because we're so far removed from 1776 and being one nation under Elohim, when we've allowed all of these other gods and all of these other things to come in here. When a president a few years ago said, we're no longer a Christian nation. We're a nation of Muslims, Jews, and Christians. So what he did was, is he now put us as a polytheistic nation. That's what he did. He's, here's the thing you've got to understand, guys. I'm a pastor here, in case y'all didn't know that. <laughs> but really, all right, but here's the thing. What I say carries weight. 
because I'm it on a stick? No. It's because of a position of a five-fold ministry that comes from this word. So when I speak from here, from this Bema, it carries a lot of weight. And if I say something wrong in an era, I am in deep trouble. And I have to deeply repent and make it right. I just can't wipe my mouth and go on. It's important. When the President of the United States is in the office of a President of the United States, I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's Mickey Mouse. Whoever speaks carries weight. Because Yahweh says what? I put leaders in their positions. I put them there and I can remove them. Nebuchadnezzar was in Babylon. Yahweh said, I can't really do that that well. Jerusalem, they're rebellious. My people are rebellious. Go pull them into captivity and take them to Babylon for 70 years. Nebuchadnezzar says, fine with me. So what I'm saying is, is why in the world would Nebuchadnezzar decide to go from, I mean, it's not even on this map, but Babylon is over there in Iraq. This two countries over. Why in the world would he want to just get on and come over here to Jerusalem and grab a few little people and bring them out? Because listen, guys, we're talking about Israel was 12 nations, right? 12 tribes, 12 peoples. But whenever Nebuchadnezzar came, he didn't come get 12 people, did he? He only come to really get Judah and Benjamin and maybe a few because the other 10 tribes had already vanished and went to Assyria. Up there, that's right. You can see Antioch in that area over there. So my thing is, is this, is like, why in the world would the king of Babylon want to come all the way over here and grab a bunch of little people and haul them back over there? So what I'm trying to tell you is this. Nebuchadnezzar didn't have a connection with Yahweh. But Yahweh somehow or another got in his spirit and says, this is what you need to do. You need to go here. And then all of a sudden, he hears from a prophet, Jeremiah, that prophesied what he was supposed to do. And so he just got confirmation of what he was supposed to do. Don't think that Yahweh is not in control of this universe. He is in control of this universe, and he's in control. I don't care who's sitting in China. And that guy can sit in China, uh, ping pong, zing, ping, whatever it is. All I'm telling you is this. You can say, I don't know your God. That's okay. You're telling the truth. But he knows you. He knows you because he created you. And he knew you. And he knew where you were going to be. And he knows how to set up a stage. Like with Pharaoh. There were many Pharaohs. Many Pharaohs in the land in that day. What does Yahweh do? He sends a Joseph. Who is Joseph? A slave, a prisoner, but yet one that was called before the foundation of the world to go in and influence Egypt, the most powerful land in, in, in kingdom. Many, many pharaohs. A lot of people don't know this. They always thought there was only one pharaoh. Yahweh had a plan through Joseph to bring it to one pharaoh, and you know how he did it? The dream of seven plenty years and the seven bad years. Because the seven plenty years, the Pharaoh that Joseph was under, they stored all of the grain. 
What happened to the other ones after the seven bad years? All the other pharaohs had to sell and give up their land to one pharaoh to be able to eat or they were going to starve to death. Think about it. Where have you seen this before? The mark of the beast and all of these things. If you want to, you want to eat, you had to go to Pharaoh's house. But Yahweh can multitask. He brought all of the Pharaohs under one Pharaoh. At the same time, he's going to reconnect the brothers back to Joseph. And he's going to protect them until the time he brings them back out. Father's got a plan in all of this. In the book of Revelation, it's a huge plan. We just need to find out what the plan is. And he's only going to reveal that because we're on a need-to-know basis only. He's going to reveal it, how it happens and what's going on. But what he wants us to know right now is we need to focus on the things that we're supposed to be doing. And if we're doing something that's not right, we need to correct it. And, and if we get that together in our life, then guess what? When the time comes, you're going to be ready to do what he ever asks you to do. Okay? I'm going to close with that part because I've got a million things to do and say. But I don't want to cross over into something else. Guys, I'm excited about what he's showing us because what he's doing is he's giving us direction and he's going to give us peace and shalom because I'm telling you what he's doing is he's unfolding some things. Where have we seen these things before? And he has written them down. These things has already happened and they're happening again and they're going to happen again, but you've got to know certain things. Follow the money. Know that, that Yahweh had a system for kings, priests, and his economic, political, and his uh, religious system. Satan has got the same thing. It's one world government, and his, it's the one world church or one world. I mean, look, when you got, yes, one world religion. When you got the Pope, is the Pope sort of a little bit powerful? He is, he's, he wields a lot of power. But when he's all green energy, and when he's all, he, he's in lockstep. With all of this stuff. And it's not only because it talks about the mother and her daughters. There's a lot of, what are the daughters? The daughters of those who came out of that system are now going back to the system. And really never came out of the system. Just a little bit. Just removed a little bit. To make us feel good. But that's what's happening. We need to get it together. And I hope and pray that doing these these times that uh, he'll show it. Be praying that we will t definitely get what we need to hear out of these messages. And thank you guys.